0: Good morning, church. How are you guys doing? I'm doing good, too. Man, I just I love worshiping with you guys. Um, it's all about connecting with God. It's so much fun. Uh, we're, we're like the second week in a series called Spaces, and we talked about, started last week, we talked about what do we do with Spaces? What do we do with the 365 Spaces we call 2009? Because all of us have spaces on the calendar and we fill it with something. And every one of those numbers on those spaces reminds us of weeks and days and months and moments that we can never, ever, ever get back. That all of us fill those 365 spaces with something and with someone. We fill it with stuff that's important and really as we're going to be talking about as this series continues, we fill it with stuff that's not that important. Last Sunday, we talked about the little space on your calendar called Sunday. And we talked about Sunday is the time where most of us, we think that we worship God. But God doesn't want to be confined in the little space called Sunday that he wants to be involved in more than just one-seventh of your life. He wants himself to slosh out into Mondays and Tuesdays and Thursdays and Saturdays. He wants not just the space called Sunday, but he wants every day. Today we're going to be talking about Monday, because tomorrow is coming. Let me just do a quick poll. How many of y'all like Mondays? Let me see your hand. Okay, look around. Keep your hands up. we got one person over here who needs counseling um, because I know her personally. I'm just doing. <laughs> anyway, yeah. all right. Uh, but nobody likes Mondays. Nobody likes Mondays except Teresa. Let me tell you the reason why we don't. It's because it's a reminder of the stuff we didn't get finished on Fridays, but it's also a reminder that we've got to go back to that job, working under that boss, and it's frustrating. It's frustrating. Because most people don't like Mondays. Because, in fact, Karen Carpenter had a song about it. Y'all remember Karen Carpenter? I introduced our worship leader to Karen Carpenter this week. I mean, with her music. She's dead, by the way. Some of y'all are going, Oh, she died. Yes. All right. Karen Carpenter, y'all remember the song Rainy Days and Always Get Me Down. That's exactly right. I know that song. I love that song. Um, In fact, psychologists have, have talked about the Monday phenomenon. They've even named it the Monday blues. What do you do and who do you go to when you're feeling down? When you get those Monday blues? Who do you talk to? I mean, what... What person are you able to just say, you know what? I'm struggling with my marriage right now. I'm struggling with these kids. I want to sell most of them. Um, I'm struggling with my job. Guys, do you go to the person in the cubicle next to you? Can you really be that real with that person? Um, Let me speak to our military families. Who do you go to when you're struggling with Army stuff? I. one of the things I've realized that, that enlisted people really don't talk to officers, and officers really can't talk to enlisted people. And uh, one of the things we talked about in our, our small group um, last Sunday is we have one lady in the small group who says, you know, the support groups for women on post really don't work that well because the, the ladies take on their husband's rank. You remember telling me that? And, 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 I mean, where do, you, where do you go where there is no rank? You can just be you. you just be yourself. That you're not connected to a, a sergeant or a private. You're just you. You and all of the warts, all of the struggles. It's just and who do you talk to? Who do you have in your life when you just say, listen, this is going great in my life. Or this is sticking it up bad. That's what I want to talk about today. Because we're going to be looking at a story Jesus told about a man who who wasn't connected with God, but also really wasn't connected with other people. And when this person had a good thing happen in his life, there wasn't anybody around for him to celebrate with. And more importantly, there wasn't anybody in his life to be able to speak some words of wisdom to. So if you have your Bibles, turn to Luke chapter 12. We're going to be looking at two passages of Scripture today. Luke chapter 12. And we're going to be looking at the story that Jesus told in verse 16 about a rich dude, about a rich fella. And this is what it says in Luke 12, verse 16. It says this, A rich man had a fertile farm that produced fine crops. He said to, what's the next word? He said to what? Himself, what should I do? I don't have room for all of my crops. The rich man was alone with his wealth. He was alone. How do I know that? He's speaking to himself. All right? Now, some of you all who are a little older, you talk to yourself. And for those who are uh, struggling mentally, you answer yourself. All right? But that's not what was going on here he is talking to himself he has reason to celebrate he has a bumper crop I mean he got tons of crops in for harvest season and he's got reason to celebrate and nobody's there to celebrate with him he's got no one he has a decision that he has to make what shall I do I don't have room for my crops he has too much crops and he doesn't have enough barns or silos, and he has a decision to make, and he's asking himself, what shall he do? Let me tell you, in in that community, in Jewish communities, it was a very tight-knit relational community. You would spend hours of your week sitting at the city gate, just chewing the fat and talking with other people because it, it was all about relationships. Now, let me just say this. If you're a farmer, you know that you can't get a bumper crop just by yourself. And back in those days, they didn't have combines. They didn't have augers. They had people. In fact, they had families. In fact, you think about A hundred years ago, when it was an agrarian society, a lot of farming, everybody had large families. You want to know why? Number one, there wasn't too much to do. <laughs> and number two, having a bunch of kids is good because you can help, they can help pick up eggs and they can help slop the hogs. They can help do all that stuff. Because farmers, you need a lot of people. And Jewish farmers, you really needed a lot of people because that's what it was all about. But this rich man in Jesus' story was all alone. He had no one to talk to, so he's talking to himself. He's utterly alone. And look at this next part. He's talking to himself, and tell me who the subject is. Look at this. Then he said, I know... I'll tear down my barns and build bigger ones. Then I'll have room enough to store all of my wheat and other goods. It's all about himself. He had an eye problem. It's all about himself. No children ran around his house. There was no wife who advised him. There was no friends he had in his life that said, you know what, maybe your priorities are a little bit messed up here. There was nobody in his life To say, you know what, you've gotten off task. It's not just about crops and silos. It's not about stuff and getting more money. It's about relationships. Relationships with God and relationships with other people. But this man had no one, so he's talking to himself. Now, God speaks to him. And God doesn't have a lot of good words to say. Verse 20, But God said to him, You, what's the next word? Can God say that to people? You betcha. <laughs> you fool. God had some information, knew some information that this fella didn't have. And it was this next part. You, you're going to die. Tonight is your last night. You've worked all your life for all of this stuff, and tonight's it. And then God asked him a question, a great question, that really somebody else, if he was in community with, had friends, his friend should have asked him this question, but he had no one. So God asked him the question, then who will you get, then who will get everything you've worked for? Then who will get everything you work for? That's a good question. You're going to die tonight. You've worked so hard. Who's going to get it all? Wealthy and all alone. He had it all and he had no one. I believe the person that Jesus was thinking about as he's telling this story is a person by the name of Solomon. And we look at his life in the Old Testament in a a little book called Ecclesiastes. Let me tell you about Solomon. Solomon was the most powerful person in the world at that time. He was the head dog. He had tons of money. Tons. When I say tons, I literally mean tons of money. He had castles with three chariot garages. He had a, a 42 inch view out of his window. All right, because they weren't making screens back then. And it was clear. 1080. I mean, it was something. This man, he was powerful. The Bible says he was the wisest person who ever uh, lived. He had tons of knowledge. He had a thousand women, guys. This guy had women for every day of the week, plus tons more. I mean, he had opportunities to have tons of sex, but he had no intimacy. He had it all. He had it all. And he had no one. At this point in Solomon's life, he really didn't have a relationship with God. And he didn't have a relationship with anybody else because he used them. It was all about stuff. It was all about gaining stuff. And he's writing this book of Ecclesiastes, in Ecclesiastes chapter 4. We're going to jump in at verse 8. And then we're going to go back and we're going to look at verse 7 because that's really where our big idea resides today. Verse 8, Solomon is talking about a person, probably also talking about himself, and listen to the similarities of what he's talking about in the story that Jesus just told. This is the case of a man who is all, what's that next word? Alone, without child, without brother, yet he works hard to gain as much wealth as he can. He is alone. This is the rich fool that Jesus just talked about. He's all alone, very wealthy, but he has no one he has He's chosen not to build relationships with other people. What he has chosen is to buy more, sell more, get more. It's all about more, more, more. all right So this person asks himself a question. look what the next verse says it says. But then he asked, what's the next word? Where have we read that before? This dude's talking to himself. You know why he's talking to himself? He ain't got nobody. He has alienated himself and isolated himself because it's all about the bottom line. It's about getting more. And this person has no one around him. He has no friends. He may have had friends at one time, but they've long left him. He may have had a spouse at one time, But she's long left him because he was selfish. It was, what can I get from you? So he's alienated himself and he's wealthy. And he asked himself this question, who am I working for? Why am I giving up so much, what's that next word? Pleasure. Now, it's all so meaningless and depressing. This dude had the money blues if anybody else ever did. That's how some of you are going to feel like tomorrow. It's, who am I working for? An idiot. That's who I'm working for. Alright? And, and why am I just giving up all this pleasure? And then these next last words. It's so meaningless and depressing. Rainy days and Mondays always get me down. I, I want to camp out on that word pleasure just for a little bit because the pleasure that Solomon is talking about is not probably the pleasure you and I are talking about right now. He's talking about the pleasure of friendships. He's talking about the pleasure of community, of hooking up relationally with other people. He's saying, where do do you get that, Chris? Well, look at the next verse, uh, Ecclesiastes 4.9. It says this, Two people are better off than one, for they can help each other succeed. They're connected. These two thoughts are connected. He's given up the pleasure of hanging out with friends for getting stuff. And he starts asking himself this question, Why am I doing this? I I don't have any meaning and purpose in life. It's the same question many of you and I ask ourselves daily. Why am I doing this? And this person has alienated and isolated himself, and he doesn't have one friend to call his own. And he says, why am I giving up the pleasure of friendships? Solomon is talking about relationships, not talking about being alone. Solomon is saying in this verse that it would be better off to be with someone else than to be alone. That's what he's saying here. Two are better than one for they can help each other succeed. Solomon is trying to convince you just like I'm trying to convince you to hook up and get into a community, a group of people that you can do life together because two is better than one. Two is better than one. To do life into community. A person's true wealth is not measured by how much stuff he has, but how many friends he has around them. I'm going to go back. Two people are better than one for they can help each other succeed. It's like this. One of the biggest problems the rich fool, fool had was this. He had all this stuff, but he gave it all relationships up for stuff because it's easy to do life alone, but it's not very rewarding. It doesn't feel like a success. Alone. Now, let's look back at Ecclesiastes 4-7 and Solomon gives us the big idea. It says this. He says, I observed yet another example of something meaningless under the sun. And then he goes on. This is the case of a man who's all alone, who works hard to gain as much wealth as he can. So what, is, what does Solomon call somebody who chooses to do life alone and only invests? themselves and stuff. What does he call it? Meaningless. 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 Solomon is setting up his talk about connecting relationally with other people by saying this, the principle, doing life alone is meaningless. Let me show you how other translations of the Bible translate verse 7. The the CEV translates it this, once again I saw uh, uh, excuse me. Once again, I saw that nothing on earth makes sense. Uh, the t- today's English version says, I have noticed something else in life that is useless. Life, when you choose to do life alone, life on earth doesn't make sense. When you choose to do life alone, life on earth is useless. When you choose not to hook up relationally with other people and connect with them, what you find is a meaningless life. But the opposite of that is true. You want a meaningful life? You want a life that makes sense? You want a life that just kind of works? Then what you need to do is you need to hook up with other people and give them opportunity to speak into your life and to speak into my life because all of us need that. Our big idea is this. Let's say it out loud if we can. It says this. Life is full of meaning when you choose to do life together with others. Life is meaningful when you choose to hook up with other people. Let me tell you how that happens at one church. It doesn't happen with what we're doing right now. It doesn't happen when getting in rows and listening to a talking head. That's not how it happens. How it happens here at one church is in something called community groups. It's a community group. The best way for me to describe what a community group is is to describe what it's not. All right. A community group is not a support group. It's not a group of guys holding hands, crying about somebody just lost their cat. I could say something about cats right now, but it's called self-discipline. So I'm not. Y'all know my view of cats, and you know God's view of cats, all right? (laughs) I'm just joking. Um, It's not a support group. It's not a place where guys just give man hugs, all right? That's weird, (laughs) except when Jerry and I. Come on now, come on. All right, it's not a teacher-driven environment. It's not a place where you come and listen to an expert who has all of the answers. Number one, there is nobody like that on God who has all the answers, and who's an expert. It's not a place where you just come and you take notes and you just sit in little aisles and you just face and you just, you just listen. It's not a teacher-driven environment, though teaching happens. And it's also not a social club. It's not a place where you just come and you bring food and you eat and you share recipes and you just hang out and you just eat. Though at community groups you eat, all right? So what does a communion group look like? Well, a community group has three different elements. They study the Bible. You have Bible study. It's focused on God's Word. You read the Bible together and you discuss it. It's also uh, centered around fellowship. You hang out, you eat, you, you play games, you have fun, you go, on, you go away together on weekends. It's fun. And there's also prayer where you, you are able to share what's kicking the slats out of your life with other people, and they're able to pray for you and to speak words into your life. So Bible study, fellowship, and prayer. Those three different things. All right. So a community group is a group of about 12 to 16 people can be married, can be single. We have women's groups here at, at, at one church. we got men's groups. We've got couples groups. I mean... Just whatever works for you. We have many, I think we have two women's groups right now, and I think a a third one starting tonight that's talking about, I know a lot of you are military and your spouses aren't here, that you're able to hook up relationally with other ladies who are going through some of those same struggles, and not all of them are military and not all of them are civvies or civilians, all right? (laughs) Civvies. You're a, you're able to hook up. Now, let me tell you, give you some quality, uh, qualities of these environments. It's not this environment is a predictable environment. Um, when, I, when I say predictable, what I mean by that is this: you you hook up with the same people week after week. They're not changing. Uh, we do closed groups here at One Church, which means you get into a group and you stay in that group, and you don't have new people coming in. And here's the reason why we do that here: is because if you always have new people getting into the mix. When you're struggling maritally or financially, you're probably not going to feel comfortable sharing. There's always new people coming in and out. So we do groups that are predictable, closed groups. they are also safe groups. There's a safe environment. This is the place where you can say, you know what, I'm struggling with my marriage. I'm struggling with my child. My child, I love them, but I want to sell most of them. And... um, uh I, I I'm struggling with my job i'm struggling with the army i'm str- you share your problems your troubles whatever is just i mean just worrying you that is the place where you can do that let me see i've led a group the past year and uh, Luther Ramsey who does all of our community groups, he will tell you I am an awful small group leader i will just pr- pastors make really bad group leaders um and the reason why he can tell you this is because he was in my group. <laughs> Um, but our group has met for the past year, and let me tell you some of the things that we've struggled with in our groups. Uh, this past year, we've had marriage struggles. We've had couples struggling to get pregnant. We've had couples struggling with pornography and parenting struggles. One couple, uh, the guy just retired out of the Army, and he was trying to find a job here in Clarksville, and just just it wasn't, he wasn't finding that job, and now he's left, and... Very in a long-distance relationship. And, uh, and this fella is just, he's one of my, I love this dude. Um, uh, we've had people uh, struggle. We have t- uh, two families who had autistic children. Um, we had uh, one uh, lady trying to switch jobs in the same company. Uh, one couple trying to sell a house. Um, one str- uh, couple struggling with parents who are getting older and just the struggles with that. Um, we've talked about hurts uh, in church. We've talked about hurts from affairs and divorces. We've talked about all of that in the past year in community group. And we've, even though we've talked about those hurts, we've also got to celebrate some really cool things. We got to celebrate this couple who was trying to get pregnant. They're pregnant. Um, one, a couple was struggling with medical bills, and God did an amazing work in that and wiped them all clean, the medical bills. We got to... Um, we got to see God's faithfulness um, with, uh, with one couple who the house hasn't sold yet, but they got an offer, and it's these close. I mean, it's amazing to see what God's doing. And I'm telling you, there are times when the pastor doubts. And I'm thinking, what, God, where are you at? Where are you at? What are you doing? And even when, in those times, in my dark times, I'm able to hook up with another group of people, and I'm able to see God work in their life, and it makes me think, wow, I know God is real. I know God is real. God has done some awesome things. One of the things that we struggled with early on as a group is just connecting, relationally connected. We were meeting every week, and it just wasn't gelling. You know what I mean? Gelling. Um, and uh, it, 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 all, it all turned in a moment, though. I'll tell you. Let me tell you how it happened. Tim and I um, were getting ready to go to group. On, our group were meeting on Sunday nights, and we had a discussion prior. You all know what discussions are? Yeah, you've had discussions too, haven't you? They're called fights. And uh, we did not want to go to community group. How's that for being your pastor and trying to encourage you to get in a community group? I didn't want to go, all right? I had to go. You know why? I was the leader. So we had to go. And we show up in the group, and some of you are have been in this group. You all know what I'm talking about. We show up in the group, and my wife says, I don't want to see him right now. I don't want to talk to him. And, and she says, ladies, let's go to Chili's. Let's go grab some to eat at Chili's. So they went to Chili's, and the guys went to steak and shake. All right? And you know what? It was that moment that God used to break through the surfacey stuff and to talk about real stuff. And you know what God, how God used it? Me being an oaf. Really. Me being not a person who struggles and let me just say this if you're a group leader here or maybe you're praying about being in a group or praying about being a group leader we still need group leaders tonight Um, you may think I just can't do it because I am not perfect I don't have my life all together well join the club friends I don't have it all together well I still struggle with my marriage you too me too Well, I don't have all the answers I don't either. But what it takes to be a good group, I don't even like the word leader, facilitator is better, is you just ask open-ended questions. So it, it, and God used me being a ding and ling can I say that on Sunday mornings? I don't know. Me being a, a, a geek to take us deeper in our relationship with each other and it was at stake and Shake that we started sharing about our struggles with previous divorces and affairs and pornography. It all started there. That we were able to take off the mask and be real. It's a safe environment. Not only it's a safe environment, it's a temporary environment. Kim and I, as I mentioned, that we've been leading a group uh, for the past year. Um, our group... Uh, um, um, we uh, Our last meeting was this past Sunday. We ate at Rafferty's, and it was fun. It really was, wasn't it? And um, uh, tonight we're going to group link because we need a group. Because and Now, some of you are saying, well, the reason why I'm not getting in a group is because I've been in a group. And five years later, being in the same group, oh, I want to kill them, all right? I agree. If I was with five years with the same people, I want to kill them too, all right? But you know what? Ours is temporary, which means it's 12 months to 18 months. 12 months if you choose to meet during the summer or 18 months if you take the summer off. And you're, in, that, in that in those time periods, it's a closed group and you're able to do life together. You pray together. You read the Bible together. You hang out together. You go away together. It's fun. It's temporary. And not only that, the next one, it's an, it's an autonomous environment. What I mean by that is you meet when you want, where you want. Um, you study what you want. Um... It's, it's kind of on your time schedule. Let me say this as we close. A healthy group contains three different aspects. ABC's of group, if you will. Accountability, belonging, and care. Every group has accountability, belonging, and care. And as we close, I want to go back to the text of Ecclesiastes chapter 4 and show you where all of these show up. Accountability. Let's look at this. At Ecclesiastes chapter 4, verse 10 says this, If one person falls, the other can reach out and help. But someone who falls alone is in real trouble. I wrote a quote from a person this week that really had a lot to say about this. It says this, If all of my friends were to jump off a bridge, I wouldn't jump off with them. I would be at the bottom of the bridge ready to catch. All of us have made dumb decisions in stupid mistakes. All of us have fallen. All of us have fallen in how we have not making wise choices. This verse says that when you fall, not if, but you know what? It's going to happen. If one person falls, somebody's there to pick them up. I need that. I want to, I'm not a betting man, but I'd probably say you need that. Accountability. Accountability takes place best in a small group because it's relational. It's relational. I would go far as even to say this that your biggest regret in life, your biggest regret in life, that second marriage, that that financial decision that was not a good decision, that that second lease, your biggest regret in life could have been prevented. Had you had people in your life willing to ask yourself some questions instead of you talking to yourself, having conversations with yourself, your biggest regret could have been avoided if you would have given someone else permission to ask you, where are you doing? What are you, where are you going? Why are you spending time with him or so much time with her? Why? All right? That's accountability. Let's look at belonging. In verse 12, Ecclesiastes 4.12 says this, A person standing alone, everybody said the word alone, a person standing alone can can be attacked and defeated, but two can stand back to back and conquer. Three are even better, for a triple braided cord is not easily broken. He's talking about experiencing belonging, that it's more than just you. It's more than just standing alone. A person who's standing alone can easily be defeated. How many of y'all watch the National Geographic channel? Have y'all ever seen like the big herd of wildebeest? You know what I'm talking about? What do they call a wildebeest who doesn't travel with the herd? Dinner. That's right. Dead meat. Because there's safety in numbers. You see, here at One Church, we believe that no one stands alone. That the person who stands alone is going to be the person who's lunch. We want everyone to have an opportunity to say, you know what, I want to belong. I want to be a place where I can belong. You know, again, if you're a soldier, and if you're only there, you can only see so far and you can shoot so far, but when you've got somebody watching your back, who's literally back to back, you've got somebody there for you. That's what we're talking about. is having somebody relationally there for you to celebrate with you and to cry with you and so that you don't have conversations by yourself. Belonging. A sense of belonging. A person standing alone can be attacked and defeated, but two stands alone back to back. Come on now. That's belonging. One of the things that's the, the uh, saddest things I see as a pastor is a lot of times going to a hospital and seeing somebody who's admitted into a hospital and they've got no one. One of the things that that you may, this may surprise you, I go see some people at the hospital, but I don't go see a lot of people. And you know the reason why? It's because the majority of the people who get in the hospital, their community group's already been there. And they would rather have somebody there that they really know really well than there's some talking head that they see on Sunday morning to just kind of come in and I'm outside the door going, okay, it's Bill, it's Bill, it's Bill. Hey, Bill, how you doing? I mean, I'm sure they feel really cared for, huh? They feel it's it's about more than just one person doing the ministry. Small groups is where we all jump in and we link arms. And it I goes to the next part, and that's care, care. Look at verse eleven, of Ecclesiastes chapter four. It says this: Likewise, two people lying close together can keep each other warm. But how can one be warm alone? <laughs> I am amazed. I've got a lovely hot wife. She's she's gorgeous. She's a righteous babe. She she's so hot, but when she gets into bed at night, her feet are ice cold. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Come on, guys. Tell the truth. Shame the devil. All right? I mean, righteous babe, but her feet are ice, they're icicles. They're, they're, I mean, they're man. and she has a need at that point and she wants to snuggle. Me being a guy, I'll allow her to snuggle, all right? Um, But you know what? Sorry, you're going. Where are you going, Pastor? (laughs) I don't know, but I like where I'm going. All right, here we go. Um, She has a need, warmth. And can she get warm alone underneath the covers? Yes, but it takes a whole lot longer. What we're talking about is experiencing the care and intimacy and warmth of relationships so that when you feel like you're out there all alone and you're in, in the dark and in the cold, that you've got other people who can put their arms around you and say, I believe in you and I love you and I care for you and I'm sorry that this is happening in your life right now, but you know what? You're not in it alone. We're going to go through it together. That is what it means by community groups. And the problem with all of this with accountability, belonging and care is that when you need it and you don't have it, it's too late. When you need accountability and you're not in a group and you need it, It's too late then. When you need belonging, when you need to be a part of something bigger than just yourself, and you get to that point where you need it and you don't have it, it's too late. When you need care the most, if you're not in a community group, you're not going to get it because it's too late. This stuff has to be setting up. It's like pouring concrete. How many of you all ever tried pouring concrete in the rain? It's a little difficult because it doesn't have a chance to set up. This is getting that concrete all poured and set, building that foundation so when the tough times and the rainy times and the Mondays come, you've got something that's strong. I'll be honest with you. I don't know what 2009 looks like for you. I don't know what the spaces of the 2009 calendar looks like for you. For some of you, 2009 is going to be a bumper crop year. It's going to be a time, it's going to be a year that you're going to experience more breakthroughs in your marriage. You're going to experience more breakthroughs in your job. You're going to get that raise. You're going to get the job that you're looking for. Your your children are finally going to get on the right path. And you're going to biggie-size your home. And everything's going to go great. And you know what? If you're in a community group, there's going to be people there who's going to celebrate with you and laugh with you and go, Yay, God! Your 2009 may not look like that, though. The 365 spaces of your 2009 calendar may be filled with struggle, and it may be a rough year for you. I don't know. This may be a year where your marriage falls apart. This may be a year where you lose your child. I can't even imagine. This may be a year where you lose your job or you get fired and you can't pay the bills, and there's just too much month at the end of your paycheck. And you know what? If you're in a community group, there's going to be people there who are going to weep with you and cry with you and are going to put their arms around you and say, you're not doing this alone. I am with you. I love you. I care for you. You don't have to talk to yourself. When you get those Monday blues, there's going to be people around you that's going to encourage you because you've chosen to to do life together. You've chosen to have a meaningful life because you've hooked up relationally with God and you've hooked up relationally with God's people. Let's pray. Dear Father, Lord, uh, I am so reminded of the Scripture or just the, the beginning of the Bible in Genesis where you created Adam and Adam had a perfect relationship with you, but you saw a need in Adam before Adam saw the need. And that need was with community, with someone else besides himself. Lord, I I confess to you today that I am in that same place. Lord, I can have a great relationship with you, Lord, but if I don't have people in my life To hold me accountable, if I don't have people in my life that I can belong to and somebody that can give care, Lord, that I am going to stumble and fall and my life will not be meaningful, but it will be meaningless. My life just won't make sense. My prayer is that today, the people who have been stiff arming people for months now, that they would put down those stiff arms and they would join hands with other believers. And they would take that step, that next step, to get into a community group because we just can't do it alone. No one is a Lone Ranger. I can't do it by myself. We love you, Jesus. It's in your name that we pray.